following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. So I'm very happy to be back with you um, this morning. Uh, last week, Caroline and I traveled to South Elliott, Maine, um, which, if you don't know, is on the underside of the Piscataqua River Bridge. <laughs> That's where the town is. Um, and we went to an ordination service for a dear friend of mine, Kent Davis, uh, who was my youth pastor uh, growing up. It only took him 31 years to get ordained, so it's kind of cool. Uh, he was one of the founders of Camp Mac. So whether you are aware of it or not, uh, he has made significant contributions to this church family uh, because of his investment um, in, in my life um, and the lives of so many others. Uh, it was a great blessing to uh, to celebrate uh, his calling. Um, it's a really long service. It's like ten pastors who are mostly retired. And you know what happens when a pastor retires? They store up everything they <laughs> want to say. And they say it to you all at once, <sighs> ten times. Okay. So anyway, uh, I wasn't asked to speak. So uh, I, I have the spiritual gift of brevity. So <laughs> I'm gonna try to. Ep- exercise that gift uh, this morning. So turn with me in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 12, and that's page 872 in the Pew Bibles, Luke 12. This morning we're going to look at the last verses of Luke 12, um, verses 54 through 59. And if, if you're not aware of that, that means that we have finally made it through the first half of the Gospel of Luke. Um, there's 24 chapters, and, and uh, we're finishing um, uh, chapter 12. So if, if you're curious, we started Luke two years ago. So this has been a lot of fun. Uh, at the end of January, it'll be two years. So, um, so as we look at these verses this morning, uh, I want to challenge you to um, ignore any headings that are in your paper Bible. Um, that's kind of stuck there in the middle, uh, because these are not two separate thoughts, um, uh, but they're rather two points of one sermon from Jesus, um, not three, praise the Lord. Um, that just so you're aware, the headings that you find in, in your Bibles, are they're not part of the original text. The original authors did not put those headings in there like that. They're not inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're just um, added in much later just to be helpful. Um, trying to be helpful. Sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. Um, today, not so much. So let's, le- let's look at the text together. We'll read it um, and then jump right in. So Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 54. And he said also to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer puts you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to be gathered together in your name here this morning. We're very thankful for the freedom that we enjoy to do so. We're very thankful for your word that you have preserved, that you wrote yourself to communicate to us your will, your character, and your requirements for us. So we pray, Lord, that now your spirit would speak, that these would not be my words but your words, that you would speak to your people, and that we together would be drawn closer to you and made more like you. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know that all you wise and discerning people uh, can see right away how these two paragraphs that we have read are so closely linked together. <clears throat> um, so we're going to take them one at a time, and maybe we'll get there together by the, by the time that we're done. They really are um, very closely linked. Now, I'm sure that if you have been um, watching the news at all lately, uh, I'm sure that you have seen um, a map showing the relationship between um, Israel and Gaza, right? This is what's on the TV all the time. Um, and while it's uh, tempting to immediately veer off into signs of the times and wars in the Middle East, um, I, 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 I just want to remind you a little bit about the geography that Jesus and his first hearers were very well acquainted with. So if you've seen these maps on the TV, that's the benefit. You get to see where Israel is in, in relation to the rest of the world and how small it is, like the size of New Jersey. Um, um, so what Jesus says uh, to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming, and so it happens. Now, if you see a, a cloud rising in the west, does that tell you that a shower is coming? No, because we live in New Hampshire, and that's not how the weather works here, right? So in general terms, at the time of this discourse, Jesus is in Israel, right? Um, and if he's standing in Israel and says, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens, what is in the immediate west of Israel? The Mediterranean Sea. Right Now it starts to make sense. If a cloud starts to rise over the sea, um, moisture is building, it's moving our way, we're going to get wet. Make sense? This is part of the challenge that we face because we live in New Hampshire and not in Israel. Sometimes these things don't make sense. Well, Jesus says every time a cloud rises in the west, it's going to rain, right? Well, not in New Hampshire, right? In Israel, maybe. And when Jesus says, when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and it happens. Does it happen in New Hampshire? Not so much. When the wind blows from the south, it just means that people from Boston are coming, and they're pushing the wind up the highway. <laughs> so I ask you, now that you're experts on the geography of Israel, what is to the south of Israel? The Arabian Desert. Right. Saudi Arabia is down there. So the wind blows up from the south. It's coming from the desert, which stands to reason it's going to get hot. OK, makes sense. These are common signs for predicting the weather, just as we know that if the wind comes out of the north here, 
it's going to get cold, right? Um, and if it blows out of the south, again, they're on their way, right? It might be a little bit warmer, right? But Jesus says in verse 56, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Now, the issue that Jesus was addressing in the hearts of his hearers was their willingness to use their wisdom to discern earthly things like the weather, but not to use it to discern spiritual things. Now, unlike our culture today, children in those days grew up learning and memorizing scripture. Not to say that our kids don't. But Jewish boys were expected to memorize the Torah, right? That's the first five books of the Bible by the time they were 12. Have you looked at the first five books of the Bible? Go ahead, right? It's a lot. It's a lot, right? Is that bad? No. Is it hard? Yeah. Is everything that's hard bad? No. It's good. Life for most everybody then in the first century revolved around the synagogue and around the temple, around the Jewish calendar. Where people lived and where they built their houses was determined by where the synagogue was because you could only live so far away and make that walk on the Sabbath to get to the synagogue. Now, that's an extra biblical rule, but it was part of their uh, culture. Religion was not just an optional add-on for a select few. It was the heartbeat of their culture. Now, I'm sure that we could go off into long discussions about how it used to be the heartbeat of our culture. and Oh, if we could only go back to those days. Well, I'm not going to get into that. Right? Those folks then should have been able to discern the times according to their own knowledge of the scriptures. But they were unable, or perhaps more accurately, unwilling to do that. That's why Jesus calls them hypocrites. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? He wouldn't call them hypocrites if they were just unable. They were unwilling. The people Jesus was speaking to on that day should have been able to discern that it was the time of Messiah, right? That Messiah had come. They should have known the day of their visitation, but they were unwilling. The Bible says that he came to his own and his own did not receive him, right? They cannot see because they will not see. That's no different today than it was then. People cannot see because they will not see. They were guilty of rejecting Messiah Jesus, and the same is true today. And that is why Jesus used the illustration from a court of law in verses 57 through 59. As as we look at this, you can see that Jesus more than implied that they were guilty, the guilty party in this scenario. That's important. Look at verse 57. And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, 
Make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. So let's uh, identify our our players in this little uh, scenario. The magistrate, the judge, who's that? God, right? But don't be fooled when you consider who is the accuser. Wrong. So this is the tricky part here, right? I said a couple of weeks ago, when, when a, a biblical author uses the symbol of fire, every single instance of the symbol of fire is not the same in Scripture. You have to look at the context. You have to see the meaning in the text around it. So often uh, the, the New Testament does call Satan the accuser. In this instance, he is not. He's not involved at all. The accuser is not the devil in this scenario. It's actually the holiness of God. That's, that's the accuser, God's righteous requirement. The people that Jesus was speaking to were all guilty of violating God's law, the Ten Commandments. You've heard of them before? They're really important, just in case. If you're looking for things to memorize in Scripture in the Old Testament, if you don't want to memorize the entire Torah, the Old Testament, uh, uh, the, the law appears twice in the Torah. So if you memorize those, you get a two for one, and you're, you're working your way towards memorizing the entire Torah. The people that Jesus was speaking to are all guilty of violating God's law. And they're on their way to meet the magistrate, whether they are aware of it or not. By rejecting Jesus as Messiah, they were rejecting the only way to settle with their accuser on the way to court. And by so doing, they could expect a guilty verdict and to be thrown into prison until they had paid the very last penny of their debt. Actually, the word translated penny in our English version in Greek is the word lepta. I can see you writing that down. Um, It's actually a coin that is worth one-eighth of a penny. So it's even smaller. We don't have an eighth of a penny here. Um, But the implication here is that you think about a penny is not a big deal. An eighth of a penny ought to be even less of a big deal but they'll not be released from prison until they have paid that very last lepta, eighth of a penny. What is the significance of that? It means that there's no grace after judgment. There's no close enough. There's no getting out of the punishment. Sin creates a debt that we cannot repay. That's why when we say the Lord's Prayer, we don't say trespasses. Or sins, we say debt, because that's what sin creates, a debt to God that we cannot repay on our own. It cannot be repaid by anyone except for Jesus. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Not even the smallest amount of debt will be forgotten by the holy magistrate. In our time, in our culture, 
Um, the popular opinion of God is that he's got to be all loving and not all holy, not all just. And there's no way that a, that a loving God could ever be angry with anyone. <laughs> it's because we were, yeah. Okay. Um, one of my favorite sermon titles anywhere, and you can look it up and read this if you want, is a sermon by Jonathan Edwards. It's called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. We don't like to think about that now, do we? Because God is loving. How could he ever send anybody to, to, to hell, to punishment, to Gehenna? How could he do that? He doesn't. We're guilty on our own. He is the holy judge. He keeps a holy standard. And when we don't meet it, we're punished. That's how it works. When we are punished, it's because that's what we choose. Because we choose to reject Jesus. People choose to reject Jesus. And Jesus' emphasis on settling on the way means that their day of judgment was coming. Their time was limited to admit their guilt and settle before the day came. Now, praise the Lord, they were given an option to settle with their accuser before the day came. Well, good for them. So since the last thing we need is a running commentary on Luke's gospel, we have to ask the question, so what? That's what it meant for them then, so what? If the, if the words of Jesus had meaning for them then, the meaning must be the same now. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for people today? What if those people that Jesus was speaking to that day were able or were willing to interpret the signs of their own time? What do you think they would do? Wouldn't they be looking all the more intently for the coming of Messiah, according to the scriptures that they had to memorize? Wouldn't they look at the scripture intently and see that Messiah is Jesus? Like he fits every single description. Every single piece. And wouldn't they put their faith in him and tell all their friends and their neighbors that Messiah had come? And, it, and it's the carpenter's son from Nazareth? They know who he was? And wouldn't they realize their own guilt before the holiness of God? Their violation of the law? And settle with him on their way through faith in Jesus before they had to face judgment? Don't you think they would do that? I think they would. So why wouldn't we? It's the same scenario. Those folks should have been looking for the first advent of Christ. Advent means coming. When we get to the advent season, that's what the word means. That's why we use it. Those folks should have been looking for the first advent of Christ, just as we should be looking for his second advent. He is coming back. And when that day comes, that will be the day of judgment, when it is too late to settle. We have to settle before that day comes. But as we look for the signs of his coming, 
we should be all the more eager to tell others about him and how he paid our debt and paid their debt before we face judgment. I get asked a lot if I think that what's happening um, in the world today are signs of the end times. Well, we're more in the end times today than we were yesterday, so I'd say it's getting closer. That's easy math. I can tell you with confidence that all the signs point to the increasing need for fervor in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus lived and died and rose again to save sinners like me and you. And whether Jesus comes in our lifetime or not, everyone is on their way to our own individual appointments before the judge. And we all need to settle with our accuser on the way so as to avoid the penalty for our guilt. That's what grace is. He has offered us a way out through faith in Jesus, simply trusting that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he would do. R.C. Sproul wrote, In offending in offending a holy, infinite, and eternal God, our sin, our debt itself, is infinite and eternal. That is why we require a sacrifice that is of infinite worth. That is why the cross is our only hope, because on the cross, Christ paid that debt. The only possible means of redemption for us is by grace. Christ has paid that debt, and if you despise his payment, then all you have left is to pay it yourself. His payment, however, is perfect and gracious and will cover every last cent of your indebtedness. Everything that we owe can be settled out of court. Therefore, the judgment is a moment of triumph for Christ and for his people. Through faith in Christ, when judgment day comes, we'll be celebrating and not weeping. No regrets. Only celebration and praise for his glorious grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for your grace. We're so thankful that you have given us a way out from the penalty for our sin. And Lord, if there is anyone here today or watching online or whatever, watching this video 20 years from now, that has not put their trust in you, I pray that they would simply call out to you in faith, Father, forgive me. I have sinned against you. I need your forgiveness. I trust that Jesus died on the cross in my place. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and direct my life from now on. And Lord, even if our faith in you is old, we pray that you would renew it today with fresh reminders of your grace, fresh reminders of your gospel, fresh reminders of our need of a Savior, 
and the blessing that it is to walk with him every day. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.